think a lot of people started following me early on in my journey because of my career. Obviously, I was previously the global shorts content strategist at YouTube. Before that, I was an associate product marketing manager at Google. And before that, I held internships at Google, Accenture, and a fine jewelry company called Dana Rebecca Designs, which is a multi-million dollar jewelry company in Chicago, Illinois. I also was a legal assistant while I was in college, and now I am a full-time creator and have my own business called Two Collective, which runs this podcast and is also the creator of the super fluffy robe that I'm wearing. And you can shop Too Cozy at the link in the show notes below with the podcast discount code of podcast15 if you want to get yourself a nice little gift. Career is obviously something that's on the top of mind for a lot of people. I'm also headed to business school at the Wharton School. I'm headed to get my MBA this fall, and I wanted to dive into 10 career tips that I would give anyone who is starting out in their early career, anyone who's looking to make a pivot, anyone who simply just needs like a refresh and an exciting, you know, roadmap for their own career. When I was outlining this episode, I got really excited because I was like, wow, like this is some stuff that I really wish that I had back in the day. So I'm really excited to share it with you all. And before we get into this, if you love Too Smart for This, and if you're someone who listens consistently, I would really appreciate it if you took the time to leave a review. The reviews really help us grow this show and follow us on Instagram because it really helps us grow so, so much. So love you all so much. And let's get into the meat of the episode. So my top 10 career tips are as follows. I give you a little bit of a background on my career, but I do wanna say I'm only 24. I'm gonna have way more career tips down the line, but at the end of this episode, I will give you a list of books and resources that I would use or that I actually use for planning out my career. So we'll start there. The first tip is to know what you want. I think that this is a pretty difficult thing to, because it sounds so overbearing and so challenging to know What do I want out of my career forever? What do I want to be when I'm 70 years old? You know what I'm saying? I think that a lot of us don't know what we want and a lot of us don't have a clear blueprint. And also when you're young, I mean, I can say this very, very clearly, our career aspirations can switch in a heartbeat, okay? They really can. So when I say know what you want, I don't mean know what you want for the next 60 years. It's definitely important to have a vision for the type of life and career that you want. And I think that for me, I've always had a vision of like who I am when I'm 30 and when I'm 40 and what I get to do with my time. And I think you should definitely journal on that Think about really what you want your life to look like. Do you want to be living abroad? Do you want to be living in a big city? Do you want to be having children and getting married? Do you want to pay for a wedding? Think about those like lifestyle things that you want. Think about the places you want to be. And then think about the people you want to impact, the people who, the causes that are most important to you that you really want to have an impact on. And then once you have that sort of like big vision for your life, then you can look at where are you today? And what do you want out of this situation that will help you get to where you want to go long term? On my first day at Google, when I met my first manager, she said to me, what do you want out of this experience? And that was a big wake up call because I had never thought about it. I mean, if you're like me, you grew up, you went to school, you went to college. And once you got the job out of college, you thought, okay, everything will be set. I'll just follow this path for the rest of my, you know, that's that. No. Um, it's very important to recognize you have agency over your career and you have to take that agency by deciding what you want out of that situation and making the most of it. So for me in that situation, I decided 
what are the skills that I want to learn as a pro as a product marketer at YouTube? What are those skills that I want to learn from my manager? Or is it really just the experience of working at a big company? Is the thing that I'm trying to get out of this just whether or not I know I decide that I want to work at a big company. A lot of times in your early career, I think that it's important to, instead of saying, okay, I want this, this, and this, these specific things out of this job, say, I want to learn as much as possible out of this job. And once I feel like I'm not learning anymore, that's when I know it's going to be time for me to move on. If you don't know what you want, that is the best place to start. Learning and deciding once you're done learning, it's time for me to get out of there, okay? Think about what you want your long-term vision for your lifestyle and your impact to look like, and then take a look at where you are realistically. Ask yourself what you want out of that situation. So early in my career, it was really just to learn a lot of things. But as I started growing as a creator outside of work, um, I asked myself, why am I staying at Google maybe if I'm making more money from content? Why am I here? And for a long time, the reason that I was there was one, to keep learning, two, for the stability. Sometimes that's literally just what it is. The stability and the flexibility of being able to have great health insurance, to work at a company with great stock, great benefits, great, you know, opportunities, and somewhere that I didn't hate my life, you know, like I enjoyed my job. A lot of times that's what, like, know what you're getting out of the company so that you can realize like, okay, when I'm no longer getting this out of the company, that's when it's gonna be time for me to leave. So when I made the choice to leave my job at YouTube, which I loved, I really did love it, it's because things changed and I wasn't getting out of it what I wanted anymore and that's what made the choice so much easier. I think being so clear with your intentions helps you recognize when it's time for you to move on from a situation. So for example, at that time, We weren't doing any more work travel. We didn't have a lot of like fun stuff happening. I didn't feel connected to my colleagues. Then we had this huge round of layoffs. All of my like work office friends were either laid off or reorged into different organizations. So I wouldn't be able to see them anymore. I didn't feel like we had a clear vision for where my project and my role was going. And I knew that there wasn't really somewhere for, there wasn't a good five year plan for me in my current role. I would probably have to switch draw bladders. I'd probably have to learn new skills or do something else if I wanted to grow there. And I felt like my talents could be taken somewhere else to where I would really enjoy them um, and I'd be learning a lot more and also getting more out of it. That's why it's so important to know what you want because when you know what you want, you know what you don't want and when you see what you don't want, you can leave that behind. That was a long intro, but it leads me into my next point, which is do what is right for you. This is something I have had very clear experience with because when I was in my first role at Google, I was a marketer and I started my content creation career literally started the day that I started at Google. I did not expect for it to be part of my life whatsoever. And it got to a point where my boss, even though I vehemently stand by this, my content creation career had no impact on my role as a marketer at Google. It in fact only really helped me. I was very good at my job. When my boss found out that I was a creator, she started sort of using it against me. And it made me very uncomfortable because I didn't really know what to do about that, but I was just really not happy with the way that it was being handled. It got me to a place where I was scared to make content. This was about two years ago, to exactly. I was scared to make content. I was scared to show up as my authentic self. I was scared to do what I loved because I wasn't sure what other people were going to think about it. And then around then, 
I decided like, if I really love this, that's all that matters. And I'm going to keep doing it until, you know, like until it really becomes a problem, because I know based on the rules of what's going on in my job that I can continue to do this. She just has a personal problem with me. Then I ended up getting my second job at Google, which is at YouTube. Google owns YouTube. A lot of people get confused about that. But I made an internal transfer to YouTube. The only reason that I got that job is because my friend who was in the role before me was my mutual on TikTok. We were TikTok friends. I didn't even know she worked at Google. And she reached out to me and was like, hey, I'm leaving my role to work on my startup. You would be amazing at it. Why don't you apply? So if I had not continued doing what I knew was right for me in that situation, I would not have gotten the job that I had the best time at. I had the best manager. I got to go to Coachella. I got to go to VidCon. I got to work with top creators. I literally would not have had that opportunity if I had stayed doing something because I thought it would bother somebody else. No, I've always done what works for me and it's always led to where it needs to go because you never know who's watching and you never know what is out there for you. When you're doing something that is authentically aligned with who you are and what you want, it will always lead to where it's supposed to go. Whatever it is that's calling you in your heart, you know what that is. And even if it's just like a small thing that you start as a hobby, you never know what is on the other side of that. So always do what is best for you. Number three, and this is super important if you are in a corporate environment, it is to use a brag book and keep track of everything. If you're a black person or a person of color or a woman in a corporate environment, there are already a lot of odds that are stacked against you. I think it's so important that when we run into issues that we have an arsenal of information to back ourselves up so that when something is happening or perhaps you're being unfairly targeted at work or perhaps you didn't get a promotion that you knew that you deserved, you've got to have the receipts, okay? It's not fair that marginalized groups have to do this, but it's the truth. For example, when my content creation was being called into question in my first job, I had a brag book where I had stored all the compliments that my director had made about me. That I stored all of the different like feedback that I had gotten and I stored all the examples of how I had responded to that feedback. So the day when apparently my my um performance was randomly all of a sudden, you know, negative performance even though it coincided with the same week they found out I was a content creator. I had the I had the receipts, girl. I pulled up in my email, I pulled up screenshots and I said, well, a week ago, our director said that she really liked my work and she was really proud of how I was doing. So I'm a little confused on how that correlates to this performance review. By having that, that was that's able to shut down any issues that you may have with your manager or with people who are tangential in your group so that you can essentially demonstrate your success whenever it's being called into question. Because let me tell you something right now, no matter how good you are, a lot of times it will be if you're a woman or a person of color. And so you have to have that arsenal. I would say, remind yourself at the end of every week or at the beginning of every week, ask yourself how the past week went and... Write down any positive feedback that you got. Take a screenshot of a chat message. If someone messages you after a presentation and is like, that was a great presentation, take a screenshot of that. Use it in your performance review. Keep the receipts as tight as you can every single week so that you cannot be played with later on. And that means you got to do your job and you got to do it well. 
Yes, you do. Sometimes doing it well is just keeping track of all the positive praise and doing it in a high visibility place. Keep track of everything so that when anytime your performance is called into question, you are able to respond to it in a meaningful way. The other thing here is if you do get negative feedback at some point in your career, which all of us do, don't take it personally. So a way that it really helped me was I would get a piece of negative feedback and then I would say, okay, how can I fix this? What are three things I can do every single day to change this habit or this thing that I've been doing. So for example, I was getting feedback my last role that I was approaching things with more of a pessimistic viewpoint when I could be more optimistic and solutions oriented. So instead of just pointing out that like, okay, this piece of the product doesn't look good. That's, that is not helpful information to anybody because if it doesn't look good, what does that even mean? What would make it look better? How could we improve this? So I was like, okay, I'm getting this feedback. What can I do to actually change it? So I wrote down the three things that I can do. I can say, one, every time I get an email, I'm going to proofread it and make sure that I'm approaching it with solutions. Two, every time that I see something that I don't really like, I'm going to make note of it and then think of three separate creative solutions for how we can effectively make a change here. And three, I'm going to check all of my like previous copy that I've written in this role to make sure that none of it's coming from a negative perspective, but rather from one that's positive, positively framing these things. So anytime you get a piece of negative feedback, it is not about the negative feedback. It's about how you respond to it. And a great way to do this with your manager is to say, hey, I know you got this feedback for, or I know you gave me this negative feedback a few weeks ago. Here is what I'm doing to um, effectively make that change. What do you think I could be adding to this? Or what do you think that I could be changing about this? So when you do get negative feedback, have a very clear plan for how to address it and be very communicative with your manager about how you're doing that. The fifth thing is to build your network by being authentic, not annoying. We all know what networking is. Networking is annoying because I feel like when you're, quote, networking, you're not really being your authentic self and you're not really being like normal, you're being crazy. Like a lot of the times I feel like networking is so icky because you just want to like, it's really just a tit for tat. It's like, okay, you work here. Let's be friends. Maybe you can give me a job there. No, like you find people to connect with based on actual shared interests, find people to connect with based on actual connection as opposed to, oh, this person has this role. So I'm going to try to be nice to them. That's so lame. Nobody likes that. Like it's, it, you can immediately tell when so, like it's it's like when you go out and you can immediately tell when someone is social climbing, like they're just trying to be friends with like the most famous or richest person in the room. That's what it is when you approach networking from a place of just wanting to get the best role out of something. No, you need to connect with people based on shared authentic interests. So for me, that looks like when I was an intern at Google, a way that I did this was instead of just reaching out to every person who was in a high level marketer at my company, I was like, what am I interested in and doing long term? It doesn't mean that I have to, you know, follow through with that job, but what am I kind of interested in? And then I would look for the people who had the jobs that I was kind of interested in. Then I would look at their LinkedIn's and see like, hey, did you go to the same school as me? Were you interested in the same things as me? Did you play basketball, for example? And then you reach out to people. You don't reach out to the people just because they have the highest level or just because they have what you want or just because you know they're there. You reach out to them because you want to authentically connect with them and see what, what led you to this. Act on curiosity. Don't act on climbing. So I think that's a very important thing to, to note. I think I get a lot of uh, messages from people 
who want to sit down for coffee with me or chat with me or something, and they don't know where I went to school. They don't know my background. They don't know why they're reaching out to me. They're just doing it because they see that I work at YouTube. Do you know what I do at YouTube? Do you Have you watched the video on my LinkedIn that shows how I got a job at YouTube without a CS degree? Have you actually re- reviewed my content and got as much information out of it as possible? When we show up to the meeting, do you have good questions? Are you being authentic and normal? <laughs> do you have a sense of curiosity about what you want? Don't just reach out to people because they're there. Reach out to them because you want to authentically connect with them. And that leads to way more opportunities down the line, especially when you do your homework, than it does when you just reach out for the sake of reaching out. I think we're at six now. The sixth thing is to constantly be learning. I think that, especially this generation, it's very hard for us to want to build new skills because We, a lot of times, just stick to the things that we are good at, and we don't get to a place where we can build new skills. We don't get to a place where it's fun for us to build new skills, and so we just stick with what we're doing, and sometimes we don't have a challenge, and we don't really grow from that. And then if you're not good at your job, or if you're not good at learning, if you're not good at facing new challenges without being scared of them, you're not going to go super far in your career. So for example, in my second role at YouTube, I had to do a lot more copywriting than I was used to doing. And it was a big challenge for me at first. And I just was not feeling good about it. I wasn't feeling confident in my job. And then I had to sort of reframe it and be like, hey, I'm in the middle of learning a new skill. I'm not going to be good at it the first week, the first month, or even the first quarter. I have to learn how to do this well, which means I have to make it into something fun for me, make it into a challenge for myself where I start to get less edits from my manager every so often because I'm learning from the mistakes that I learned in the past. I'm reviewing his old copy so that I can see what was good about it and start applying it to my own copy. When you approach things from a perspective of I get to learn about this rather than a place of I suck at this and I have to get better or I'm not going to do well, it makes your job just a lot more fun if you just have that little mental reframe go off in your mind. The next two are kind of go hand in hand and they are to be professional and invest in yourself. When I say be professional, I mean you need to have a professional resume. You should have people review your resume so that you don't have typos in your resume. You should look at examples of resumes from people in your industry who you are interested in and model it after that. I mean, there are plenty of resources on YouTube. I'm not a resume expert, girl, but there's plenty of resources on YouTube, plenty of resources on the internet that show you how to use better words in your resume, how to use better numbers in your resume to demonstrate the impact that you've had on a brand or on a business. You should have a professional email. You should respond to emails in a timely manner, as in within 24 hours. Your LinkedIn should be updated. You should have a professional headshot. You should have professional explanations of everything you did in your previous job. Look at the LinkedIn's of other people who you admire and try to mimic them in as much as you possibly can. And then maybe commit to, if you're really on a job search, like digging deep into posting and building your own personal brand on LinkedIn, sharing things that you've learned in the past, sharing projects that you've worked on and stuff like that. I think like if you aren't showing up with your best foot forward and you don't have your ducks in a row in your career, then it's going to be a lot easier for other opportunities to go to people whose ducks are in a row. So you really do need to take the time, take one day, review your resume, review your LinkedIn. I think, And then I think every year 
continuing on. You should review your resume, review your LinkedIn. I had to do this just a few weeks ago because I forgot to update that I had left Google and my um, my LinkedIn was still saying that I worked there and I needed to update that. And so I'm not perfect at these, these things either, but I'm saying that Maybe someone had been looking at my profile and wanted to offer me a job, but they thought I still worked at YouTube because I wasn't keeping my digital resume clean. You know what I'm saying? You got to really think about those things. That being said, the other point of this is to invest in yourself. So I have always focused on investing in myself above all, and especially in my career. And that includes investing in the headshots so that you have a professional, like you really like how you appear on the internet. That means investing in your education. I'm about to go invest in my education through getting an MBA at Wharton. And I invested the time while I was in college into taking the GRE so that I could apply to these programs. I invested the time to applying to all these programs so that Early in my career, I didn't have to worry about any drastic risks that I would want to take because I knew that I'd be able to go to Wharton in two to five years after I graduated. And in that investment I made in myself when I was 21 years old has paid off to where now 24-year-old Alexis can take five months off from working a corporate job to focus on doing things like this podcast, focus on launching a business like these robes so that I can, and then I can go to school and start all over if I want to based on what I learned in that time. So investing in yourself, sometimes it feels awful. I mean, when I was taking the GRE, I was not having a good time. I certainly was not. I did not enjoy writing all of those essays and stuff like that. I didn't, but I was investing in myself and that really has just paid off to where I feel so much better I just like, I'm just so proud of myself that I actually put that time in because even in the moment, like it was not fun. It ultimately led to me feeling just so much calmer and so much, you know, more at ease in my career in a lot of ways other people don't always get. So if you want to invest in your education, if you want to invest in your opportunities, you don't have to go to necessarily business school take out 200K in loans to do all that. You can also invest in yourself by taking a coding workshop so that you can learn how to become a software engineer. You can invest in yourself by taking classes at night in something that you really enjoy because it helps you get your mind off of work and you've been a little too obsessed with work. You can invest in watching YouTube courses or Skillshare courses on photography because you kind of want to get into doing that on the side. Investing in yourself is, is it's scary in the beginning, but it always is so worth it. And you always are 10 times more proud of yourself later on down the line for taking that first step. The last thing I want to get into is digging into your personal brand and figuring out how you are going to show up at work and outside of work. There's a few things here that I want to dive into. There's a few little things that I will never do because that's just not something that I want to align myself with. So for example, I think that you should really limit your gossiping at work. I don't think you should ever gossip at work to anyone who is a higher level than you. If someone is a, at the same level as you and they don't like you, that has nothing to do with you, girl. That, like, if you're at the same level, then you guys, like, first of all, you should just be rallying around each other and trying to help each other succeed. But I had a girl at work who, like, was talking shit about me, which I didn't, I had no issues with her. Like, I literally, like, she was just in a different department as me. We had, worked on a few things and I had been trying to help her with a project. And I just think that she just, she had her own issues. I don't know what they were, but she didn't like me. And I, at first I was a little worried about it. And then I talked to my, one of my work mentors about it. And I was like, I don't really like this. I'm like hearing this rumbling. And she was like, is this person a higher level than you? I was like, no. They were like, do, you, do they have any impact on your longevity or career here at work? No. Do you do good work? Yes. 
that's all that should matter. You should not worry about drama with other people who are the same level as you or in a different department at work. You should never gossip about people, anyone who's a higher level than you. I don't care how enticing it is. It is not the vibe, okay? Anyone who can have a direct influence over who you, how you get promoted, your money, your opportunities, you should always put your very best foot forward with them and approach any issues you have from a question, as in curiosity is, how can I learn from this? What would you do if you were in my situation? Have you ever experienced something like this? Can you help me figure out this? You should always approach from curiosity and wanting to grow and wanting to essentially like build your own personal like learning arsenal brand and relationships as opposed to approaching anything with them from a place of the victim mentality or this happened and I just didn't have control over it so this is what happened or say you get negative feedback or in a negative situation at work. The last thing somebody who is older than you or is your direct manager wants to hear as an excuse. They never want to hear an excuse. You always need to own what you did. If you did it wrong, it doesn't matter if you did it wrong. They will respect you because you owned it and you come to them with a solution. That is the only way to get by is extreme ownership and showing up with a solution, okay? Some other little personal branding notes that I would add here are one, think about your social media. If you want to be the fun-loving like party guy at work and you're the one who is always, you know, planning the happy hours and stuff, I'm sure that people will be fine with you posting you getting drunk while you're in Tulum, okay? I'm sure that'll be fine. But I don't think that you should be posting anything sexual on your profiles. I think you should say stay private. Don't let people follow you if you don't want them to follow you. If they want to follow you and you're in an awkward situation at work where your manager is like, yeah, let me see your profile. I'm going to follow you. You can remove them as a follower later on. You can say you don't have social media. You can keep your personal life and your social media private. But just be very, very cautious of what it's going to be out there. I'm an influencer, so I have a little bit more of like leeway with that. But something that I always have said, like a lot of influencers do like partnerships with like sexual wellness brands or with like other brands or stuff like that. And that's just something I drew the line. Where I was like, I have a professional profile I'd like to keep up. I am going to only really post about like wellness, lifestyle, and fashion. That's just not something I want to do. So I think it's important to think about that too um, with your social media and your personal brand. Just think about how you want to show up and if you would be like okay if your CEO were to see that. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so that is all of my tips for career. that, That is my smart girl's guide to early career. That is everything that I wish that I knew when I was starting off a few years ago. I really hope this helped you. If you really liked it, please like this episode, share it with someone who you think could really use it. Give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and make sure you're subscribed here and on the YouTube channel so that you can get more info and more vlogs, businessy stuff, career stuff. I think it will really help you all so, so, so much. I didn't have time to get into all of the resources like the books and podcasts that I really like. So I will do a little Instagram story about that. So make sure you're following me on Instagram as well as um, the brand Two Collective on Instagram because that's where we'll put all the other resources so that you can get more out of this and maybe find someone who has a career that you're trying to emulate so that you can get some better, I think, more insightful information from them. So that being said, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. And don't forget, you are too smart to not love yourself.